What's going on, guys? Hope you all are doing well. Welcome to the Run Free Podcast. And uh, we're in for a treat today because I'm sitting down with Coach Rico's in the house. This is his first ever podcast, so thank you for joining us, Rico. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've never been on something like this, so yeah. it's kind of interesting. He's nervous right now. There's a bead of sweat coming yeah. down his head, I can see. Yeah, so. or it might just be from the workout we just did. <laughs> yeah, so we just did a little workout. You want to tell the folks at home about our little workout we did? Man, so there's nothing related with running. I was <laughs> like, I was hoping we would do like the Murph when you know, uh-huh. Ryan asked me to work out, but we did uh, 40 sets. If you include them, so 60 sets, uh-huh. I'm including all of it. Okay, yeah. Of bicep curls. Yep, curls for days. Curls for days. Yep. Um, currently can't even drink water. Yeah. So. And you sustained an injury during the workout? I did. I did, yep. I uh, I lost I lost a finger, guys. <laughs> it's no longer there. Um, no, I just got a few little calluses pulled up here in the next week, probably. So. Yeah. Probably lose my fingers, too, next week, so. It's all good though. Yep, you got through. I was proud of Rico for getting through the workout. Most people that I've tried to work out with do not end up making it through. So, yeah. congratulations, you finished this. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're we're chilling in Phoenix now at a, a Airbnb. Sarah's, Sarah and I are staying at, getting ready for Olympic trials. I'm not sure when this episode's going to come out, but uh, beautiful down here in Phoenix. If you guys hear a little bit of background noise, it's because they're building the skyscraper like right outside of our window so apologies in advance for that but uh let's get right into it i know everyone is curious about the mysterious coach rico oh, so i want to get into your story a little bit want to hear how you got into running uh, things you've learned along the way um, but maybe to kick things off we can kind of talk just tell the people how we got to know each other and how you became a part of the run free family so yeah. you want to you want to start that off how how we uh got connected yeah, we got connected. Dang. Well, I moved up to Flagstaff in 2016 um, for school, for going to NEU. And then I want to say 20, must have been fall of 2017, so a whole year later after I moved up, um, got connected through Jimmy with this, you know, go for it film, filming. Yeah. Met Coach Jimmy. Jimmy, he also coaches for us now. Yep. Yep. And um, you were coaching Merck at the time. And then he left, documentary ended, finished filming in Flagstaff. They moved back to the East Coast. And then I just randomly saw you on the track down. You were, I think you were with Sarah. Yeah, in a U track, yeah. right? Yep, I was upstairs running on the treadmill because I didn't want to go outside. And I was like, oh, that's... Were you embarrassed running outside or why were you... No, I don't know why I was... I don't <laughs> know why I was... I must have been actually lifting weights, honestly. But uh, okay. I saw you down there and I was like, that guy looks familiar. I was like, oh, that's Ryan. So I went down there kind of got to know you, um, asked you if, you know, you were interested in coaching me or if it was a possibility. And actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but at the time, I had no idea who you were. Like, I'd known, I'd met you from Merck's workout, like, you know, a few weeks before, probably a few months before that. And I was like, who's this Ryan Hall guy? So I looked you up, actually, afterwards, and I was like, wow, he's, this guy's the real deal. Half, mm-hmm. you know, fastest half full marathoner, because at the time you were... 170 pounds so you weren't you didn't even look like a runner yeah, so I was yeah. like, this guy's no this guy's yeah. no runner but yeah so i met you there and then soon after it kind of just got coffee and kicked things off mm-hmm. from there yeah yeah and uh i 
I love having having Rico at, at workouts. So this was like when I was trying to start a pro running team in Flagstaff. So Rico is kind of helping me out. He was working out sometimes. I think sometimes you'd help out with timing and pacing and stuff like that. But mainly you were just out there like doing your workouts at the same time as you know my other athletes are working mm -hmm. out. But what I love working out with you was you never knew what Rico was gonna be doing like we'd be doing like 400 meter reps or something yeah. and then all of a sudden like Rico's running backwards around the track in like lane nine and you're just like just yeah. put my hands in there I'm like what is Rico doing right now yeah so, you yeah. never failed to make me laugh I don't think you were ever at one workout where you didn't make me laugh sweet that's good that's yeah. good to know I try to like ease off the pressure of workouts by just like coming up with weird stuff like that uh -huh. running on lane nine and backwards uh -huh. i think i was doing like two mile repeats that day too so it was it was a long one for sure yeah. and it always made sense afterwards you'd always explain like yeah. why you decided yeah. to flip a 180 and run mm -hmm. backwards around the track at the end of the workout but yeah. in the middle of the workout i'm just like oh i guess rico's running backwards now and then i would always make sure to like finish my coffee uh-huh five minutes before now you would like finish your warm-up come finish, back and yep. then finish your coffee like Rico, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> I would always finish my coffee uh, at least like thirty to sixty seconds before my first rep. And probably your greatest <laughs> legacy of the brief time that I had a pro running team was the Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. That was your go-to tune yep. that you'd play during warm-ups to get yep. everyone hyped up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. That was. I mean, that lasted a while too. I just would play it on repeat every workout every yeah. tempo run on lake murray it's a good one um, apparently apparently yeah <laughs> except for you you don't like it but everyone else enjoyed it everyone else enjoyed that song it's not really my style rico no. not my style yeah all right so yeah that's how we got hooked up how did uh how did you get into running rico how did I tell get us the story that's a good question um man i mean looking back at it it's been eight years freshman year of high school I guess just over eight years. Started with cross country? Track. Track. So I actually started, I've always been football, soccer and football my whole life before high school. And then broke my arm, radius and ulna, high school, freshman year, first, I think it was like the first scrimmage game, broke my arm, teammate landed on it. Um, at the time, I thought it was just dislocated, so I got up, walked off the sideline. The trainer was like, you know, it's completely broken. You got to go to like the ER. You noticed it was uh, kind of popping out yeah, of your skin a little bit. Yeah, it was like popped out. It didn't pop through the skin, <laughs> which is good. But it was like so close to the wrist where I thought it was like, oh, it's just my wrist that popped out. Uh -huh. And it wasn't painful. So I was like, oh, it's just going to pop it back in. Um, I started crying though on the way to the ER because that's when the pain adrenaline kind of uh -huh. went away. Um, and then, so I was out for the season. Um, still out for soccer season. I wanted to do soccer, but I couldn't. And then I was like, all right, might as well do track. Um, and at the time, I was like, I don't know. I don't like running. So I uh, did throwing, actually, because my brother did throwing in high school and um, college. So I was like the only track sport I kind of knew. And then... Um, so throwing shot and shot, discus? More discus only. Oh, and how big were you at this time? Because Rico is just a little guy. <laughs> I'm a little guy. He's like 5'7", like, 140, right? Yep. So where uh, were you then? I was freshman year. I must have been like 122. So you're 122 pounds I was the throwing same a height. shot? I stopped growing when I was like in 7th grade, so I was still 5'7 at the time. So, so you're throwing the shot against guys who are like 200 pounds. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that was actually pretty good. This because I ended up throwing freshman year like, probably want to say like 75 feet. 
Okay. And most, I mean, our best thrower was throwing like 120. So the fact that I was like half of what he was throwing, <laughs> you know, four years difference, you know, 200 yeah. pound difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's all. Um, but randomly during, after, it was after practice. So it was after, you know, two hours of throwing and drills. I just started running laps. Started running laps, 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 laps. Ended up doing like 12 or 13 laps without stopping. And then one of the, the distance coach came up to me and she was like, wow, how many laps did you do? And I was like, oh, I lost count, I was like 12 or 13. And she was like, have you ever done distance before? You know, distance coaches always try to like yeah, get us recruit. any distance kids, yeah. yeah. So I was like, nope. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. What does that mean? And she was like, yeah, just, you know, the mile, the two mile. And I was like, sure, I'll try it out. And one of my good buddies, um, that I met beginning of the year, he did cross country and uh, track and field distance. And he always talked about cross country. I was like, I don't know, what, what does that mean? Like, do you like really cross the country? Like, well, what is this cross country <laughs> stuff? I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, next day I would like, you know, did half the practices with distance team and then half with the thrower still. And I was like, sure, I liked it. Fell in love with it, you know, not not the first year, not the second year, probably my third year was when, like, you know, this running stuff's kind of my, my go-to. Um, but at the time, that freshman year, I just did uh, the mile, I believe, was my main event. Um, so were you good, like, so, so it's interesting, because I think a lot of people get into distance running through, like, mm-hmm. track, PE, if a teacher, a coach, someone recognizes a little bit of potential and is like, hey, have you ever tried this, you know? Like, I think that's a super common way that people get into the sport. So how was it for you when you first got into it? Was it something that, like, just clicked and, like, you were good at it right away? Or, like, what was your level like as you were getting into it? Definitely not good at it. I was just, like, I had a really, like, free-flowing and, like, all right, whatever, let's do it. And, like, and then whatever I did, I just did it to the max. Because mm-hmm. he was throwing, I was like, I was there every day. I was really consistent with it. So, like, when it came to distance, I was like, I just did what the coach did or said. So I was like, you know, run 20 laps. I would run 20 laps. Um, very slow. I mean, I want to say my mile PR in freshman year was, like, I don't even know if I broke six, honestly. It must have been, like, mm-hmm. 620. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, that second year is I, I did cross country in the fall. Um, so I got more base training, more running, got more used to like running, but no, she didn't really, I think she just saw like my, you know, effort, my, you know, greediness to like just run whatever Mm -hmm. she told me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, never really complained to, so I was just like in pain, definitely in pain, especially training here in Phoenix and, you know, 110 degree weather, I would just be out there running, but, um. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. anyone gets into running who lives in Phoenix or a place like Phoenix where it's this hot. Like, honestly, like, I don't think I would have ever gotten into distance yeah. running if I lived here. Yeah, I don't know how we even, like, looked forward to, like, 3.30 p.m. practices um, oh. mid-March. That was with the track season, so it was, this was February to May, 3.30 to 5, 3.30 to 5.30. Oh, that's, like, the hottest part of the day. Yeah, we would have a few workouts where there were, like, 108, 109 outside, and we just have to, like, do them. So were you guys good with, like, your hydration and stuff, or was there just kids just passing out left and right? And no, we were, I mean, we were pretty good with it. There was, like, water breaks the whole time. Uh-huh. We knew. I mean, also being born here, I feel like we're pretty used to summer heat, 
and being a kid like you're outside all the time uh-huh. um, but I think our bodies just adapted to like yeah. such extreme training at such a, such extreme heat level but yeah. yeah so then at what point did so you're throwing and running kind of simultaneously at what point were you like all right I'm gonna set the throwing aside and focus on the running man that's a good question I think sophomore is a little through discus a little bit of shot junior hold on so did you ever like look around at these competitions and be like these guys are beasts i'm like this little tiny <laughs> kid like what am i um, doing out here i did yeah i definitely did but i was like whatever were you like i can throw with these guys i'm gonna beat them one day yep yeah, yeah i was like that i was like yeah i mean I'll, I'll i mean i'm just a sophomore i'll get up there it's completely delusional right yep there. completely delusional <laughs> until i you know i realized i'm not like i'm not throwing anything over 100 40 feet in a discus anytime soon so were you like doing weights and like eating like a m- madman or no you're nope. just like i'm cool with this weight and I'm cool with this weight, yeah. okay just natural you know getting older uh-huh. from freshman to junior i probably gained like 25 pounds so i was like 145 average uh-huh. throughout high school yeah i mean i did actually i mean we did weight training every day which is not normal for most distance runners. No, yeah. Um, You're doing upper body stuff. Upper body stuff, so I yeah. included that because I was yeah. a thrower. But aside from that, I was still running, you know, every day as well, Saturdays, um, and still, like, wow. training, I mean, doing workouts, track workouts with the team. Do you ever think about doing decathlon? Or did I, they have that in high school? They did have that in high school, actually. Yeah. Um, I think they might have added it. Well, they've always had it, but they added javelin when I left, so we didn't have javelin. But... I actually did the decathlon two years. Uh, okay. So junior year and senior year. You're doing decathlon. Yeah, the decathlon. And how'd that go? It was interesting because, I mean, it was junior, senior year. So it was after that whole summer and the whole fall, I probably did very little lifting because um, I was more into running by the time. And then track season, junior year, decathlon. So upper body wasn't, wasn't up to par for pole vault or... Um, I'm not much of a jumper, so high jump and long jump were definitely my worst events. Um, I actually didn't even clear starting height for pole vault, <laughs> which is nine feet. And I'm like, my fresh or my junior year, first year trying it, I didn't clear nine feet. And then practiced the crap out of pole vault the next season for senior year to like, I mean, I got to clear at least nine feet because that, I mean, that screws up like so many points. Yeah, yeah. So many points from just not clearing uh, starting height. And um, they moved the starting height up to nine and a half feet. <laughs> so I like barely cleared it, but I was only able to clear nine and a half. I didn't clear anything high, which uh-huh. is, you know, nice. it was an improvement. But um, I did it. I did the cathon more for uh, for the fun of it because uh-huh. um, I was more into running by the time. So I was like jumping thorn. It was like not really that interesting. Um, but running events were great. I think I ran. So they do the 1500. It's a mile. Um, I think I ran like a what did I run that year like a 430 440 mm-hmm. last year um, coming from a guy that never broke five in a mile I was like yeah that's pretty good it's pretty good yeah um, after a long season but and then uh, so you finished high school mm-hmm. and then where do you go from there I um, went to NEU for college kind of forgot about running um, I was like yeah, I'm just here for school and I didn't know at the time that Flagstaff was such a you know, well, Mecca. first, I, yeah, I didn't even know it was high altitude, and second, I didn't know it was such running, big running community. Yeah. Um, so from fall of 2016 to like, probably like, I guess I did run a half marathon 
when did I run that? I ran that in June, June of 2017. So from 2016 fall to like March of 2017, I did like no running. I just kind of like give up. I was like bike to school, bike to class, mm -hmm. bike back. So that's the only way I got like stayed in shape. Um, and then I picked running back up because I was like, I signed up for this half marathon. I might as well, you know, start training a little bit. So what, what possessed you to sign up for a half marathon without doing any running at all or training? That is, just, I don't know, actually. I have no idea. <laughs> you lose a bet or and what? Probably. I mean, it wasn't even here either. It was in, uh, it was in San Diego, okay. my first half marathon. I think we were just going to be out there for, um, with family. And then my mom wanted to run one too, so she like, she might have signed both of us up honestly yeah um, yeah i know your mom's yeah a big runner so yeah she she's really into running but, um, so how'd that half marathon go so that was in june um in san diego so it wasn't the coolest um it was early in the morning but it was pretty humid out i do remember that when i got you I know mean, it was like drenching in sweat um and i ran a 126 first half which you know coming from a guy that 5k PR in cross country was in 1930 just 630 is it 630 miles for 1930 mm -hmm. six flat um, sounds about right running 630s for a half marathon a year later was like wow like, yeah that's pretty good yeah altitude must be must be pretty good then yeah so then as soon after that's when I really got into like all right I should probably actually take this somewhat serious and do yeah actual workouts and get more versed with running yeah and stuff so how is it, I'm curious, because I think like for our listeners, they might be able to relate to like times where they were super into running and then they stepped away from it for a while and then they came back to it. So how is it for you? Do you feel like that, did that give you some healthy perspective, like getting away from it? Did it make mm -hmm. you miss it during that time off? How was that time off and what was it? Well, I know you said the race kind of pulled you back in, but yeah. how was it for you getting back into it then? Um, getting back into it before the race was like, it was pretty miserable because yeah. there was no running. So like, and going straight to like, you know, training at altitude. So it was nice. I mean, it took me probably three months to get just to altitude from just like walking up the stairs and down from my dorm. But, um, I mean, it was like easy, like four to six mile runs, like every other day for like weeks. Um, and then I, I think my longest run for that half must've been like nine or ten miles yeah and it wasn't even a workout it was just like an easy run yeah just covering the distance yeah, yeah. um and that's something that i think is really important for you know people who are listening is like a lot of people i think think they have to train a lot harder than they actually do just to like run their first half you yeah. know it's like what did you say you ran 126 126 yeah. yeah so you ran 126 off of only running like nine miles in practice you know yeah. so like for people who are just getting into running or maybe you've taken a big break and you're getting back into it and they're like whoa like running like three miles feels like an eternity mm -hmm. like getting back into it that whole phase is such a hard phase to get through you know but it might be helpful for people to hear like oh actually like I don't need to be able to run like 12 miles in practice to run a half marathon like I just need to be able to cover nine miles like you did you know yeah yeah and it's definitely like um especially now that i've had both spectrums of like 25 miles a week in high school to 70 miles a week for marathon training it's like now i'm like in this like loop or this um what's this called kind of like middle ground of like oh i want to run more miles because i'm used to running 10 12 miles a day mm -hmm. but i'm also used to running four miles a day at nine minute pace so I'm like in this like, oh, I want to do more, but I know that 
taking it slow and easy after the marathon mm -hmm. is like probably the smartest way to do yeah. it. Like the way I see it is like you're in season, you're training and like your off season, don't even think about running. I think that's what helped me so much after like those eight, nine months after, uh, after high school, being in college, it was like, I didn't even think about running. Yeah. Like all I'd worked was like school, going to the gym twice a week, biking to class. And I was like, you know, getting to know people, yeah. getting plugged in with, you know, clubs and stuff just completely forgetting about running was like mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing that helped me yeah and i think that's like okay like for runners to go through that season you know it's like like you don't have to go and tell like you bust you know like it's okay to like step away from it for a while and then mm -hmm. come back and i think sometimes when you do step away from it it makes you appreciate it and runners get this all the time with injuries right it's yeah. like you get a little bit banged up you're out for like a month or two months say if you got a stress reaction or something you come back and you're just like oh man like i miss this like this feels so good like yeah. all the sensations of running like feel new and fresh mm -hmm. again and can be like really invigorating to just like step away for a little bit but you got to kind of know like when you do step away and you come back to it it's gonna be a little bit rough getting yeah. going you yeah. know i definitely felt that after so cim two weeks easy one week completely off and the third week was like three days i ran that week and i was like man this is miserable like four mile <laughs> runs on the grass yeah. like 8 30 pace and i'm like man I'm so out of shape but it's more like the body just like right getting your running legs back up. right because um, i mean after those three runs i was like all right I'm, yeah. i was back to my regular pace i was running before the marathon so i was like you know still somewhat fit your body doesn't forget right. how to run um, in three weeks but you know it takes a while to get back into it for sure. yeah i always felt like after my marathons and taking that two-week break and getting back into it, i always felt like i was starting from complete scratch <laughs> you know yeah. and like and then a couple of weeks later, I'm like already feeling like reasonably fit, you know, but it's totally normal when you first come back from that break to be like, whoa, what did I just do? I just shot myself in the foot. This is a huge mistake, you know, yeah. but like you got to take those breaks, you know, you got to get away from it mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, like that's when healing occurs, you know, so. Um, so, so you mentioned a couple times like running marathons. So you ran your first half marathon, and then where did your running go from there? Oh man, so twenty, I want to say yeah, that was twenty seventeen, June, and then I ran. Man, all these races just kind of blur into one. I feel like at yeah. this point. Well, give us give us the highlights. What were highlights, the highlights? No highlights yet. <laughs> Still waiting for the Still highlight. Waiting for the highlights, it's been four years of no highlights in running. Um, well, not true, because I've no, been no, coaching you, Rico. No, that, no, that's right. That's got to be a highlight. That, no. Yep. You know, I would be coaching. No, yep. 20 mile, yeah, 20 mile marathon sims have definitely been the highlights <laughs> at Lake Mary Road. Um, definitely not. No, yeah, no, but I mean, I just say that because like I've seen, like you've been improving. Mm -hmm. You didn't improve in your last marathon, but like before that, like you were, you've been getting faster and faster and going in the right direction. Yeah. So like you've run some pretty decent stuff, so don't don't be uh don't be super humble here tell us what you've done so after 126 for 13.1 i did first marathon was la i have a shirt on actually la marathon yeah probably my favorite shirt so soft. busted the sleeves of it today busted though. the sleeves yeah <laughs> um that was march of 2018 march of 2018 so almost a whole year later ran a marathon all right so let's pause on this real quick so what advice would you give for someone training for their first marathon? Oh, first marathon. Having <laughs> done that yourself. Uh, 
Um, what did you learn in your build-up? You physically? Yeah. Um, let's start sure physically and physically. then let's go mentally and emotionally from there. Um, make sure you're wearing some sort of nipple bandits because <laughs> you don't want those nipples chafing. <laughs> I, I'm known for my nipples chafing all the time. Oh, you must have um, big nipples. I do. I do. <laughs> We will not um, post a picture of that. Don't worry, guys. Actually, yeah. Jimmy always <laughs> jokes about my nipples. I don't lie. Um, but physically, oh, man, I think I'm going to have to go with like nutrition, honestly. Make sure you're drinking water. During, are you talking about during the race or in training or what? Probably training up and leading up to like whatever you're going to do for the first marathon uh-huh. or for your first marathon. Um, actually use that. So if you're going to do just water, then just do water. But if you're going to do like the nun tablets or any sort of other uh-huh. electrolyte Gatorade, um, like start training with it like yeah. weeks before because. And using drinking like like let's define like how much drinking are you talking about? I know it depends a little bit on weather and conditions and stuff. But yeah, LA was definitely warmer. It must have been like mid seventies by the end of the race. But I actually took a handheld. So if it's your first marathon, I'd probably recommend a handheld. Handheld um, water bottle. Water you're talking bottle. about yeah. yeah. If you have like no expectations, like I have no idea what I'm gonna run, I'm just gonna take my you know handheld. And if you take... have giant biceps like you, and you can hold those handhelds, no yep. problem. Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, handheld and gels, carry gels, extra gels, because they hand out like, I mean, every like six miles they hand out gels, so it's not even like enough. Yeah. Well, it's taking you like an hour between those stations, right? Yeah. Yeah, easily an hour. Um, no, your math is wrong. <laughs> Big time wrong there. It's like I hope I'm not right. <laughs> Although it could be right if you're in ten minute mile pace. Yeah, could be an hour between, which is a long time to be running without yeah. anything. If you're running for you know four yeah. or five hours. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're right. You would want to take gels mm-hmm. between those. Yeah. And um, probably also don't underestimate your fitness and your ability to run that first marathon because people are like yeah I've never run this you know 26 miles not even in training and they like I'm gonna go at a 13 minute pace Mm -hmm. in reality they're in shape for you know 930 right they're being overly conservative yeah Yeah. so what was the furthest you ran in training leading up to the marathon Mm, leading up to that marathon I want to say it was like 16 or 17 miles yeah so again like I know that kind of like the common thinking is like you gotta run 20 miler but it's like Mm -hmm. like you what was your time in LA Three or four. You ran three or four off a sixteen mile long run. Mm-hmm. So I mean three or four is really good, solid I mean that's like what Lance Armstrong ran, right? <laughs> like in yeah. his first man like that's really good, yeah. you know? And like you did that off a sixteen mile long run mm-hmm. on a super hilly course on a warm day. So like to people who are listening, like I think that's really great advice. Like have a healthy respect for the distance, right? But don't be like so ultra conservative and like build up this wall that you're going to run into and it's such a big deal that like you're setting yourself up at a big mental disadvantage going into it like you can you can get away with running a marathon off pretty minimal training you know 60 mile long run like you did so yeah i think the altitude was a big big factor in that too uh-huh. um, i don't want to say it's the biggest factor you know i don't want to say like if you're not at altitude you're not going to run well but um, as long as you're putting the work in but helps i think going down sea levels i mean seven thousand yeah. sea levels yeah that's yeah, a huge difference and we got some hills and flagstaff too so that yeah. helps to prepare for that yeah. la course yeah and that was actually most of my training was on trails 
because I was into trails at that time. Uh -huh. um, I'd done the Grand Canyon a few times. So I've done a few ca canyon runs. Um, so I, my hill legs, or my, what do they call them? Climbing legs, that's what you call them. Climbing legs are definitely um, firing in all cylinders for that yeah. LA Marathon. But uh, So how was running the canyon? Let's talk about that, because that's like one of my favorite things I've ever done, was oh, not yeah. running it, but hiking it with my well, kids. Well, you've, you've hiked it, right? Yeah, I hiked it down to the bottom and back. Bottom back, okay. Yeah, on, I think we're right in angle? Kaibab. Or South Kaibab? Yeah, yeah. Have you been to the north side before? Uh, no. No, okay. Well, oh, man, when was this? It must have been... It was definitely warm. It was after the marathon. It must have been May. It was before they closed like their north water station because they ended up closing the north at some point. Um, or opening it. They're about to open it in May, um, summertime, because it's too much snow till then. Um, my buddies, four of my friends, were hiking it rim to rim to rim. So that's 40, 44, 46 miles. They were hiking it? Like nonstop? Yeah, so they're gonna do nonstop, nineteen to twenty-four hours ish. Oh, um, no thanks. But so they all these massive, you know, thirty-five, forty-liter backpacks, and I had this like tiny camelback <laughs> with two handhelds. Yeah. And I was just gonna do down and up, so it would have been eighteen miles for the day. Yeah. I was gonna wait for them, you know, the next day. And I was like, well, I kind of want to get into this fun stuff they're doing, and um, we started at six p.m. So six p.m ran all night, got to the north, the base of the north, so not to the top yet, at around like, I think that was four hours, around 10 p.m., 10.30, and I was like, oh, it's a pretty good pace, you know, two more hours, that's six, that's 12 hours total, and then was climbing up, going, you know, pretty good, and it was getting really cold, because I was like, wearing like a short sleeve and short shorts, and I was like, man, this is getting pretty cold up here, and I was like, started hiking like the last, Two miles, I just hiked it. I was like, I can't run anymore. Got to the top around like midnight, um, probably like 1 p.m. By the time I f my watch was dead, so I had no idea what my pace was or what my time was. I did have my phone on me, so I could keep track of time. Um, I ended up taking a nap up, up at North Kaibab. Uh -huh. There's another guy actually napping as well. I was like, man, this is kind of sketchy. Like, <laughs> there was like critters crawling around. You're freezing cold. Freezing cold. So I just got balled up into a little ball and like took about a 30 minute nap, I think. And then started hiking back down. Um, I think by the time, so 6 p.m., I think it was like 2 a.m. By the time I got, like, I met one of my buddies on the way up North Cabo, I saw him. And then kind of said hi, and like, you're just gonna gotta keep going, you know, can't really stop and talk. And um, had this massive knot, my calf, on the way down, and I was like, I can't, can't run anymore. Yeah. I just waited till I got to like flat ground. Four mile, four and a half miles to get to like, you know, the flat surface, like the bottom of the canyon. And calf felt pretty good, so I just started jogging back up, filled up my water bottles, and then um, just kind of kept rolling. By the time, by that time, the sun had like been up already for a good amount. And um, so that was, what's, is it, well, I can't do math right now. What did I say, 42? So it's 20, about 22 there, and then 22 back. Um, so it was, you know, 28 miles in already, and I was like, man, this is, <laughs> this is miserable. Yeah. And I was, all, I was running out of food, too. So yeah, I was, was going to ask, how many calories did you take in during that? I don't even know. I think I had, like, 12 gels, each, like, 100 calories. And I was running out with, like, still, like, 12 miles to go, 10 miles to go. And it was, like, the hard part. 
So I was like, I saw one of my buddies like nine miles out. He gave me a pack of M&Ms. I was like, solid. I'll probably get some sugar rush those yeah. last like four miles. Um, it was, um, yeah, those last like four miles were pretty miserable because they were up Bright Angel. You know, it's all uphill. Yeah, it's super um, steep. It was already like 9 a.m. by the time. Nine, it was probably 10, 9, 10 a.m. So the sun was out. It was getting pretty warm already. Um, and I took I took the whole pack of M&M's. I took one gel. And then I took uh, this like secret shot. I don't know what it was. It was like a shot of like, you know, like those like for like, um, like mental like concentration. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. it's like focused stuff yeah, like, yeah i'm sure it was caffeinated some yeah somewhat took all three i was like i'm gonna chug all these and the last three and a half miles are just gonna be non-stop and i was just like rolling up really? Whoa, 42 nice. miles in and i was like rolling i like run it ran into this kid because he was going down the wrong side and i was like i can't stop like this kid needs to move out of the way um kind of bumped shoulders a little bit he didn't fall or anything but kind of just bumped shoulders uh-huh and half a mile, about a mile, half a mile out, I was like, I just bonked. Legs were dead. <laughs> I was almost throwing up, um, lightheaded. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to walk this last like mile up. Um, so it ended up being like nine, 16 hours, I think. 15 to 16 hours with a nap. So it was like 16 hours with a nap. Um, 46 miles. So it was Dang. like a long day. So how did you feel when you got to the top? Pretty bad. But like, how did you, you, get, you had to have a crazy sense of accomplishment I, yeah definitely yeah but it didn't really kick in until like probably like hours later really? once we started driving back to flagstaff i was like dang i just did 46 miles yeah in 16 hours but you just felt dead pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> i think it was just like like a test mentally and physically clearly but more mentally like you can get through yeah whatever you know yeah set to you know if you put a goal out there and you can get through it and get to it as long as you just keep you know trucking along yeah so how how do you get through those moments because there had to be a lot of moments on that run where you're just like what am i doing out here man like this is not a good idea like so stupid why did i start doing this like how did you get through those moments mentally i think it was just like a bliss like it was like such a perfect night because it was overnight so it was like full moon um and just like out there, you know, by yourself and just kind of like in a way talking to yourself and it was like testing yourself. And I think I just really enjoyed like being out in such a beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, the canyon such a beautiful place, mm-hmm. um, especially when it was like full moon and it's mm-hmm. like no one's out there. It's not crowded, at least, you know, overnight. Um, so I think that's something that's really important that we should pause on for people like when they're going through their own suffering, whether it's training or in a race, like getting perspective. It sounds like that's what you're able to do. It's like I talk about this all the time. Like the way to get through suffering is get outside of your body, mm-hmm. you know, because the more you focus on your pain, the more you're going to be aware of it, the more you're going to feel it, the more intense it's going to feel to you because mm-hmm. you're so focused on it. But like when you're able to do like what you're talking about, where you're like, dang, like, the moon is so amazing right now like whatever you can do like to focus on things that are outside of you Mm -hmm. is going to help you get through that discomfort and take your mind off this impossible task that you're trying to do you know so yeah well done on that i don't even think like i know afterwards i took my shoes off and i had like these massive blisters on my 
you know, toes and everywhere. I don't even think I thought about that once, the 44 miles I did, because I was just like so like worried about like the next mile and yeah. like, you know, looking at this and like, you know, enjoying suffering, but also enjoying the beauty, you know, of creation. Like sometimes a little scary, you know, hear a little critter and you're like, oh, what is that? Or like <laughs> see like, I like, you know, eyeballs going yeah. and that's a little sketchy. But, um, you had a headlamp, right? <laughs> that's actually another story. I ran, a battery died. Uh. By like <laughs> 9 p.m., battery died. Um, so I ended up using my phone flashlight for most of the night until um, pretty much the little sun came up at 4 in the morning. Wow. Your phone um, battery's legit. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a little scary. No yeah. headlamp. Well, for any of you guys who aren't from the Arizona area, um, I know for like me taking my kids down the Grand Canyon hike we just hike down to the bottom like you don't have to do the full 46 that Rico did like you can just hike down and it's like what like 18 or 19 yeah, 17 nine up, nine down, nine up. Yeah, yeah like 18 miles um, but one of the most beautiful hikes like I've ever done in my life like one of the coolest things I've ever done so if you guys ever get a chance you can uh, come up to Flagstaff it's like 75 90 minutes away from Flagstaff get over to the canyon shoot down to the bottom come back up um it's pretty unreal surreal experience so i've been in the canyon a bunch of times but usually we just like hang out on the top mm -hmm. and after like 30 minutes you're like well, this is amazing but you know i've seen it and you kind of feel like well let's go <laughs> yeah but, now that yeah that you mentioned perspective i like i've been to the canyon before that like five or six times with like different family members i've never been and like it would like get boring like we're yeah, going to the can yeah. like, oh, again we're going to the can yeah, like i've been there yeah, so many times yeah. from the top but that first canyon run i i don't i don't think that was my first canyon run maybe it was i don't think it was my first one though but the first time i you know went down and up i remember like man this is just like crazy like yeah. how cool this looks from like looking up and like yeah. just these massive like walls of yeah know, uh, rock i bet at night it's yeah. even more spectacular yeah definitely yeah so if you guys get a chance do that um well man we're gonna have to wrap things up here pretty soon here rico but before we do what has been the hardest thing for you to overcome in your running to well let's start with this what has held you what do you feel like weighs you down the most in your running like what do you, what do you have to work through the most like what is the hardest thing for you to internally work through with your running? Oh man, all these good questions. <laughs> I didn't prep Rico on any yeah. of these questions. I, I even asked you before this, like, what are, you, what are we gonna talk about? And you're like, I don't know, we're just gonna You actually wrote all these down in your hand, right? Um, uh, wait, ask it one more time. All right, so like, what is the hard, let's put it this hardest way, what, thing, what is down. the hardest thing to like overcome in, overcome. Your, in your own running? And how do you work through that? Like, how do you actively overcome that? Like, when you think about, like, the most challenging part of running for me is, yeah. what would you say? Running. <laughs> Besides the physical act of running, the internal, the mental, yeah. the um, happening inside of you while you're out there going after your big old goals. I think the hardest thing mentally for me um, is me in five years. Or like seeing myself in five years, you know, like I have these goals I want to be at in five years, but then, you know, I'm I'm here, I'm now. So like, 
in a way, yeah, that perspective of like how where you want to be in five years, but knowing that you're not there, knowing that you're five years away from that, right? And wanting those times now. Um, with, so like being patient enough to wait for the process to yeah, kind of unfold. Yeah. Uh huh. And it's something like patience is like I'm. I mean, I've always been a pretty patient guy, but recently with you know training with you and run free and like such high level athletes and flag stuff, it's been like. And like I want to get there I want to be there now but knowing that these guys have been putting training for the past 10 mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. Um, makes sense they're at the point they're at um, and I just have to like you know it's kind of cliche but run your own race run your own mm-hmm. pace and kind of just focus on day-to-day training yeah I mean I'm glad you brought that up patience because man I think it's really easy for athletes to even like come to like run free, come to a different coach, a different program, a different team, whatever it is, changing up their environment and expect the results to just be like, bam, bam. Cause sometimes they are, you know, it is, you look at some athletes and it's like they change coaches and all of a sudden, bam, they're nailing it, you know? But I would say that's more the exception than the rule, you know, and to realize like you're saying, like, like you seen all these athletes, like it takes decades, like Sarah, has been running for 20 years you know it's taken her think about that way like it's taken her 20 years from where she was at in high school to now you know just a couple days ago running a pr in the half marathon Mm -hmm. and this last year running a pr and and so it's like think about yourself it's like five years seems like a long time but really like it could be 10 years it Mm -hmm. could be 15 years could be 20 years from now but like your job is just to enjoy today, yeah. you know, and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process of going to those goals. But it's really, I think, important that runners realize that it could t- it take a while for them to achieve their goals. Yeah. I remember hearing this really interesting story about um, these guys who were being held captive. They were like uh, in war, you know, and they're being held captive by I forget what war it was and the yeah. circumstances. But they're being held captive right and so like the guys who didn't make it through that captivity were the guys who were expecting like oh we're going to be out by christmas mm-hmm. or we're going to be out by like they thought it was going to happen really soon and so like they're like really hopeful that oh i'll be out by then but then their heart would get broken when christmas would pass and they're mm-hmm. still in captivity you know and the guys who made it through were the guys who like basically had no expectation they're like we might be in here for 20 years you know but they were because they weren't having their heart broken over and over and over again and i think that's something really important for our runners to realize is like you can avoid having a broken heart by just taking off the time limits that you put on things you know being like i have to have reached this goal i have to have hit that boston qualifier olympic trials qualifier whatever it is i have to have hit it by five years from now mm-hmm. and if i don't i'm gonna be like heartbroken you know and just realize hey it might take me a lot longer than i want it to take but it doesn't mean i can't like enjoy the whole process leading up to it you know yeah yeah especially with like being younger young people like are always looking forward like oh, right. future you know i want to do that but you gotta also look back, you know, you gotta rear view mirror where you can look back at what you've done, right. what you've been through. Um, I've really like realized that recently, like, you know, I have to look both ways. It's not just, you know, when you're motivated and like going forward all the time, um, especially in the world we live now, like, you know, you gotta, what's the next big thing, the next best phone, next best, you know, house, whatever, car. When you in reality, you have to like check yourself and like look back and be like, you know, 
five years ago I was running mm -hmm. 630 for a 5k now I'm running 640 for a marathon yeah and like now I want to run you know six flat for a half marathon and six you know mm -hmm. keep going forward but also like realizing you've come from you know you've come a yeah. long ways yeah. from your past um, and it goes I mean it goes from you know young being young and also just runners in general yeah are always like looking forward and like the next yeah best workout next you know next pr that's no that's a great point it's like there's something special that happens when you can celebrate the progress right mm -hmm. like something about celebrating what you've done that allows you to move into even more even more breakthrough you know to let you even get to that next level so well, we, all of us at the Run Free community, we're excited to see what, what the years have in front of you in the future. Cause you're, how old are you now, Rico? I just turned 22. 22. Man, he's a baby. One baby. He's a I know. baby. Just starting to shave. Yep. Yeah, yep. just starting to come in a little bit. Coming. Biceps are starting to grow a little bit. <laughs> yeah, all those curls. I'm going to be sore for weeks. I'm no. just not going to talk to you for the next month, probably, from <laughs> being so sore from this workout. <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, we're all proud of you. Um, happy to have you coach him for us and um, a big part of the Run Free community. So thanks for doing what you're doing and uh, inspiring us all with your story. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be following you in the years to come. Sweet. Thanks, Ryan. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Until next time, signing out.